Welcome to the National Football Show, Dan Silio. Man, it, it's so awesome right now, this time of the year. We really appreciate everybody jumping on with us here. You guys are building this bitch into something really special. We really appreciate it. Like, I can't thank you enough, man. I mean, I get more compliments on this show than pretty much anything I've done in the last 10 years. And I want to thank you. And all the people that have lined up to come on to the show as we get ready for the regular season. My God, during the Hall of Fame week, I have some really special people that will be coming on during the Hall of Fame week, okay? Bill Cowher, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, some of the guys that are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Jerome Bettis. We are lining them up. David Baker, the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the guy that knocks on the door and tells you that you've been elected to the hallowed halls of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He'll be on with us as well. So we're really looking forward to it. So much content. You know what's really great, too, about the NFL? The NFL now has made it so that this is a 24 hour operation. It's a 12 month a year deal. There's no time off any longer when you're covering the NFL. You know, it used to be that so-called downtime. You know, I was talking to my boy Krause and he's like, you know, we're going to ramp up. Football is always ramped up. I get what he means because regular season camp start more attention to your favorite team. As you start to get the roster settled, fantasy football has now become a major component to this. So there's no doubt it's a 12-month-a-year operation. And the NFL has done a great job at marketing it and also promoting it to you, the consumer. That's the difference to every other sports league that kind of tries to compete against the NFL. It's almost impossible. The league's got the sport. The league's got the content. They've got the superstars. Who would have ever thought that the most popular position in American sports today is the quarterback position? Those 32 guys that are the starting quarterbacks, they're the highest paid guys in the league. And on top of that, they're the most visible guys, even with a helmet on. So the NFL has done it right. I think this is going to be a special year, this 2021 year. I know pandemic is still out there. COVID-19. I know. COVID-19 vaccination talk. God almighty, I'm with you. You can't get their crap together. And I'm not going to pretend to be a vaccination expert here on the National Football Show. That's off my rails. I don't act like the rest of these sports guys do, telling you, get vaccinated. What the hell do you know, guy? Your previous job, you were probably a golf pro somewhere, putting tees in someone's golf bag. Or you were filling water bottles somewhere. Yeah, but now you're an expert because you're behind them. You know, it's funny. The microphone makes people experts. Just get vaccinated. Oh, Jesus Christ. Shut the hell up. What the hell are you? Spokesman for the CDC? Let people make their own decisions up. There is some conversation there. Carson Wentz made some news yesterday. We'll hit on that. But I want to start it out here. And once again, let's do this. Let's start it out in our place, Philly. Daryl Morey knows what he's doing. The general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers knows exactly what he's doing. Ben Simmons' name is being thrown around. And I'm going to show you how he did it right and how E. Roseman did it wrong. Ben Simmons, obviously, his name, him playing in a 76er uniform at the start of the season, 
forget about it. That ain't happening. You know it's not. Yeah, we really love the guy. You should be saying that. Have you heard the deal that he's offered the Spurs? He wanted four number ones for Ben Simmons. And everyone out there went, you're crazy. No, he's not. Put a value on your own assets. Start high knowing full well you won't get that, but at least you're starting someplace that's in the clouds where people say, hey, man, you need to come down from that. You ain't getting four number ones for that guy. This guy's this guy can't even shoot a free throw. He can't even play a game of horse. But that's exactly where you start. You don't start like Howie Roseman doing. We're going to have an open quarterback competition. And may the best man win between Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Who? You automatically undercut the value of the asset that you're trying to move. And then you wonder why you get a conditional first-round pick. If Wentz does well. And, And for the record, if Wentz does well, and that team does well, it's a low first round pick. You're talking somewhere in the late 20s, maybe mid 20s. Okay? You, you're really not going to get ever the value of what you could have got. So, Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Sixers, is like, hey, man, I want a million first rounders for Ben Simmons because that's what we think of that athlete. That's exactly how you do it, that's exactly how you negotiate. You start high, man. Don't start low like Howie did. Surely he understood that. Or was it just this, that you hated that guy so bad that you wanted him off your football team and that you got so much pressure from your owner to get that guy's ass off that football team that you just threw hell to the wind and said, we're just going to have an open quarterback come. that you weren't thinking clearly. That thing was not plotted out and planned correctly on how they moved Carson Wentz. It wasn't. That's not how you strategically try to move a franchise quarterback designated at least in the salary that he was making, whether you believe he's not or is a franchise quarterback. Carson Wentz was making that in Philly. So you may not want to call him a franchise quarterback. The salary he was making threw it back in your face and dictated that he was. And then you got the GM and the owner, once again, the owner meddling in the negotiations. Remember when we had Frank Reich on? This makes total sense in where we are. And again, the parallels between what the Sixers are doing and what the Eagles did. If you go back to the Jacob Media Channel and you listen to the interview with Frank Reich that I did right here on the National Football Show, I asked him, who called first, Howie or the owner? Frank said the owner did. What is the owner doing calling another team on potentially moving a player? The owner did? What's his job position? Just because you're the owner doesn't mean you're in a football position to make those moves. And when you do make moves like that, and you're not in a qualified position to understand how you negotiate, how you create leverage, 
That's exactly what the Eagles got back in return. A box of vittles, chiclets, party poppers. Well, if he plays well, yeah, it's a 25th pick. Didn't you think you'd like to have the fifth pick in the draft like you saw what the Dolphins did last year? They traded, and they ended up trading Tunsil away. They ended up getting the third pick in the NFL draft because the Houston Texans suck so bad. And the 49ers go up and make a trade for that pick, and now you've got the Miami Dolphins sitting there with a the king's treasure chest full of draft choices and assets if they have to go after Deshaun Watson. Or how about this? If it is a one-year deal in Green Bay, how about Aaron Rodgers playing down Miami? Because you could send those picks to Green Bay. Remember, Green Bay's got three years left on that Rodgers deal. Rodgers thinks that he's got, like, leverage and stuff. He really doesn't. He's got public publicity leverage. See, it was important for Aaron Rodgers to do a really great interview. You know why? Because contractually... He has no leverage. And for the record, I don't know who said that there were deals and years taken off the Packer deal. The general manager came out this morning and said there's three years still on that contract that they have in Green Bay for Rodgers. I don't know what people are reporting, but Green Bay's got that guy tied down for three years. And if he wants to play anywhere, it's in Green Bay. Well, you know, this is my – everyone's saying this is the swan song for the Packers in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. How's it? Unless he retires. Or the Packers see a deal that makes them go, all right, I'll move him. Other than that, you're not moving that guy. So you go back to where we started and how we opened the show. You got Daryl Morey asking for four first-rounders for a guy you're lucky to get two. And a player, right? Three would be, I mean, you get, if Daryl Morey of the Sixers gets three first-rounders for that guy, that guy robbed the bank. I'm saying two. And for the record, the NBA draft this year, can you name three guys that you went, wow. There's not a game-changing dude in this NBA draft. They're talking about a G League guy who's in the top five. So there's nobody in that draft that's going to come into your franchise and all of a sudden be Giannis or be a LeBron or Kobe or someone. There's nobody in that. There's no Zion Williamson. So Maury's asking for four, four number ones. Perfect. That's, I heard that. I was like this. He, he called the Spurs up and said, I want four ones. Perfect, man. And I hear everybody going, Maury's crazy. He'll never get four. Of course he won't. It's not the point. The point was throwing the illusion. That's what you think of that player. And we'll negotiate down. The Eagles had to negotiate up. Look at this Wentz dealing and how they did it. How about this? Look at the Zach Ertz deal. Let's take a look at that, for instance. So Ertz is on the opening day roster, and it was a priority in the offseason to move him. They knew the player can still play. Is, is he – what's this? How do you know that guy's not Zach Ertz with Aaron Rodgers throwing in the ball? How could you legitimately say that, that you don't think 
with a better dude that spins the rock. That guy can't put 85 catches on you. You don't know that. When you got a quarterback that's struggling, and then you throw a rookie dude into the mix, and then he's banged up, he's going to look like trash. How many times do you see wide receivers go to different places, and they don't have the same signal caller, and they go from like 90 – hey, Odell Beckham Jr. is a great example of that. Beckham goes from Eli – I always thought of this Eli. I thought Eli was a very good quarterback. I wouldn't say Eli was a guy that I'd want to build my team around because you have to have a lot of guys around Eli to help him win games. Now, I will say this about Eli. Man, he's one of the streakiest quarterbacks I've ever seen, and when he's hot, this guy's like on fire. What he did in the postseason for the Giants twice, unbelievable. Actually, I would look at his postseason and go, I don't know, man, if I had to pick between the brothers' postseasons, I might want to pick Eli's postseason. Eli put some great numbers up, and let's not forget something. He beat the GOAT twice. This guy didn't lose to Nicky Foles, you know? And, and again, I'm not saying that Eli's better than Tom Brady. That's not where we're going. But I am saying that Eli's resume in the postseason compared to his brothers, I don't know, man. That's pretty impressive stuff. Now, you get to David Tyree, stick him catch and all that. I understand. But that dude did win games, and he has multiple Super Bowls. I get that he crapped all over himself his last seven years, and I get I understand all that. But circle back once again. Way to go, Daryl Morey. Is Ben Simmons worth three once? No. Is he worth four? Completely no. But, dude, learn how to negotiate. Negotiations 101. Try it. Might help you out a little bit here as you're trying to accure assets as you try to rebuild your Eagle team. Eagles got holes everywhere. I was talking to my boy, Cal. He's right. The secondary, they haven't had a secondary in seven years. Their front seven, how about putting a guy on the ground, man, one time, just like, you know, a pass rusher? That might help. That might help your secondary. You know you know what helps the secondary? A 16-sack guy. That's what helps your secondary. Take a look at the great secondaries in NFL history. There's always a dude that's a perennial pass rusher in your front seven and a run stopper. You get a run stopper and a pass rusher, your secondary is going to lead the league in turnovers, and they're going to have interceptions everywhere. Plus, minus will be off the charts because your front seven's handling the game. That's why the Cowboys last year was a train wreck. 300 rushing yards. 300 rushing yards is something like that Oklahoma does against Kansas. Not against another NFL team. You're giving up six yards a carry. You're never getting off the field, bro. Got to start with how you negotiate. Look, it's one thing Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, picks the phone up and calls all these people. Like when you get them on the on the phone and on the horn, how are you negotiating? You don't, you don't really have anything of assets that people want. There's really very few players on that football team right now that he has that anyone wants. You're coming from a place of weakness when you do that. Very few guys on that team 
people would make a trade for. That's why he's keeping Ertz. Because Ertz is one of the only players that people around the league like Buffalo, Jacksonville, places like the Jets that have young quarterbacks that would like to have a seam runner like Ertz. Ertz in a system like that, how he knows it's an asset, even if he's 75%. That tells you right there. I thought about it last night, why Ertz is on that team, because he doesn't have much to trade. And when you're talking about trading future draft choices, bro, you need those draft choices to retool your team. And you got a quarterback you're not sure on. Remember something. Every guy that's come on this program talking about Jalen Hurts, you know what they said? He was never ever drafted to take Carson Wentz's job, which means what? He was a seatbelt, a safety device in case Wentz got hurt. He was never earmarked as the starting guy on the team. Eagle fans were screaming, put Jalen. He was never, it was never designed that he was going to be the starting quarterback. Never designed that way when they initially drafted him. That's why when Wentz got butthurt over it. You sat back and went, no, no, what are you doing, guy? We've already made it very clear. How could you even think that that guy was going to compete against you for the starting gig, especially after we gave you the money? This is where Wentz went sideways. Wentz went sideways because why? He couldn't handle the maturity of understanding the Eagles don't have to pat you on the head and tell you how much they love you. They're paying you every Tuesday. When you're in the NFL, you're not going to get backslaps and people coming up to you and telling you how much they love you. They're going to show you on player's day off when your paycheck gets direct deposited. When you know you're one of the highest paid guys and you're getting a contract that they gave him way too soon. That's how they tell you they love you. Dude, don't have to tell me you love me. Just pay me. Once you pay me, I already know it. So, I mean, <laughs> give me a break, man. Daryl Morey, congratulations. That's how you negotiate. All right, let's move on here. I mean, holy cow. Really, can I be the only guy that sees that? But you'll, you'll, you'll have people going, oh, Morey is an idiot. He thinks he's getting – no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Okay, so – Here's a prime example of what's happened in the NFL when you change rules and you can't police the league. Michael Thomas, wide receiver for the Saints. They gave him a giant contract. He had a foot injury, something that should have been addressed in the offseason early so that he could make it to the first part of the NFL season. Looks like he's going to miss the first six games. And he had surgery a couple weeks ago. Sean Payton went nuts, saying we're going to have to have a conversation. There's a really adversarial relationship now between him, the team. Why? You got your money. You know, isn't it funny? Once players get their money, how weird they act. You're hoping when you give a player a lot of money, Instead of falling back on his wallet, you're praying that that player becomes part of the organization and a fabric in that organization where, guess what? You start doing this, 
yeah, we can lean on him as one of our core guys. This guy does remind me of James Harden. What possibly more could the Houston Rockets have done to James Harden and for James Harden for him to love what was going on in Houston? They weren't winning. Well, he was part of that. Now Michael Thomas doesn't like the quarterback. This comes down to the quarterbacks that are in the building. Michael Thomas doesn't believe. He's like this. Why should I go out and, and know this? This is where this is. Michael Thomas is saying this. I got my money. Why should I go out there, break in a new quarterback, get myself broken up? For what? For them? That's an attitude of a receiver today. Wide receivers today, they're good with 14 targets and seven catches and 130 yards. And if they win or not, no one cares. The NFL has made that position so you can't police it anymore. You go across the middle and you hit a wide receiver, you get the targeting rule, helmet to helmet. You get some stupid rule that even the hard hits where you hit these guys really hard, they constantly get flagged. And they've made that position more visible than even the running back position. It's not that the NFL has looked at the running back position and diminished it. Because everyone knows if you can run the ball, you win ball games. Ask Derrick Henry and the Titans. You can go to an AFC championship game with Ryan Tannehill, who was the Miami Dolphins garbage. It's because you got a beast running back. And anytime you got one of those 28 carries, 135 yards and five yards a clip, you can't lose a game. You can't lose. I mean, but these wideouts are now more visible. Look, look at the kids that are now coming out of college. There's more visible wideouts that are being drafted in the NFL's first round than running backs, right? If you see a running back drafted in the first round, you're seeing one, possibly two. Hell, you could go in the first three rounds, you could maybe get 10 wide receivers selected. You're not going to see that with the running back position anymore because even colleges are not emphasizing that spot anymore. But when you get a guy, he's special. The point is, these wideouts now know they're not going to get hit, so they can chirp. They can bitch. They can make it seem that they're as important to the team as the quarterback. I mean it. I'm going to talk to my boy Chris Landry. He's based in New Orleans. And we'll get his spin on it from Landry Football. Talk about a guy who is breaking down every single team. He's got everything broken down for you on his website. And make no mistake about it, we'll be able to hit on all the teams. I want to talk to him about that. I want to talk to him a little bit more about the Eagles and my how I laid it out, too, with Wentz and all that. We'll talk also about the Aaron Rodgers saga that seems that it's come to an end. We'll talk to our friend Chris Landry from Landry Football next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. 
Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Silly. Chris Landry from... LandryFootball.com will join us here in a couple minutes. Take a look as we get ready for the upcoming preseason and also the first half of the NFL season. So the Jets come to their stupid sense and end up getting Zach Wilson signed. What a dumb move that thing was. We told you yesterday, there's, there's, there's set salaries for rookie contracts. And because of the collective bargaining agreement, the first two picks in the draft are supposed to get their signing bonuses between 15 and 30 days. The Jets were trying to move the chains on them. There's nowhere in that collective bargaining agreement where you can do that, but to see here's the arrogance of the NFL teams thinking that they could. They wanted to defer 75% of Zach Wilson, who was the quarterback out of BYU, taking number two, to 2022 which is completely against anything anybody has done since that deal has been signed. But the Jets, because they're cheap, wanted to see if they could negotiate some of this money. 
listen, I've said this, but when you pay for cheap things, you get cheap results. How many times have you ever gone like this? Man, I got a super deal on that, and I didn't pay anything for it. How many times have you said this? Boy, I paid a lot of money for that car, for that house, for that computer, but it was well worth it because it gives you the results you're looking for. Okay? Hey, man, it's like going cheap on toilet paper. Don't do that, dude. (laughs) Trust big sales. (laughs) All right? You don't go cheap on TP. Why would you go cheap on your team? But then again, Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, he's treated that team like TP. I mean, he's – when you come to a decision that you've hired Adam Gase because Peyton Manning told you and you didn't do things in your own due diligence and you're trying to jackass with a rookie contract that you can't, I mean – you 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 get laughed at. Do I think the Jets are going to dig their way out with the new coach, with this quarterback, as long as Woody Johnson owns that team? No. Will they fall into a 10-7 and seven season one year? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. And that'll be fool's gold for a while, like it was with Rex Ryan. But the Jets, that's what they are. They are fool's gold. That team's not built on foundation of consistency like the Steelers. You know, what's funny is that everybody thinks that the Patriots, you know, have been this rock bed franchise for like 50 years. It's not true. It's actually since Bob Kraft has bought the team. When the Sullivan family owned the New England Patriots, they ran that franchise into the toilet too. Okay? That was no, I mean, the Jim Plunkett's of the world, the the Tony Easons of the world. Guys like that, I mean, they, they completely ran that thing into the – I think Victor Kayyem owned that team when they went to the Super Bowl. But the Sullivan family was a horrific ownership. Brought a college coach in, Chuck Fairbanks, and they brought Ron Meyer in. They thought that that was going to fix the leaking and all the stuff that was going on in New England. The leaking didn't get fixed in New England until they got decent ownership. And when you have non-meddling ownership, Philly, that's when you win. That's when you have everything aimed in the right direction. All right. So is it a shocker? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All right. Dak Prescott now. So Dak's got a short, he's got a sore shoulder. Oh, what'd you think he was going to do? I don't care what you do in the offseason, how you prepare yourself. Once you get into football motion, once you get into football practice, that's the thing he's missed for over a year. Football movement. That's why he's sore. We'll talk more about that. One of my favorite people. God, man, I think we, Chris and I go back. It's got to be 25 years that we've been talking football with each other. Our good friend from LandryFootball.com, go over to his website. And I love talking to Chris. This is a big time of the year for him. 
because he's talking college and he's talking pro. My friend Chris Landry is here with us now here on the National Football Show. Chris, here we are, man. I mean, I would say this. isn't This This is shaping up to be, I think, one of the most interesting years in NFL history. Yeah, and I think, too, you throw in what we all went through last year and no fans and wondering – you know, the NFL did a great job getting every game in. College football, you know, you had a couple conferences, very little games. I, I don't want to jinx anything by saying, you know, because I know things are going on, but it looks like everybody's got a better handle on things, and I feel like we're going to have a season, hopefully non-interrupted, and that's just exciting. Whereas, you know, I last year, Dan, I, I was worried about, you know, is this game going to go on? Is that game going to go on? And, and we got through it in the NFL. But, uh, I, yeah, I'm excited. We're here and training camps are all in and football practices and colleges are starting in about a week. And, yeah, it's August 1st on Sunday and it's hot. You know, I know everywhere, but it's football. You, you know, I bet you don't miss those humid days in Miami right now in August, my friend. <laughs> no way at Pepperdine uh, Stadium also with uh, doing three days. Yes. No way. No, but <laughs> three days, that. yes. Three days. Can you imagine? That's right. Yeah, I was a part of some of those, too, was out there, but not. I didn't have to work as hard as you. Coaching is not as hard as playing, my friend. I didn't lose as much weight. <laughs> Chris, let's let's go. Let's. I'm not going to start in Green Bay. I'm going to start in your neck of the woods. What the hell is going on with Michael Thomas and the and the Saints here? I mean, what's the disconnect here? You know, I don't know because you know this is Michael Thomas. I think being a diva. Look, I you got a right to get your own medical advice and what have you, but. there's there's no way to look at it as, you know, you know what, I'll still get my money and I'm going to go through this and I'm going to miss most of the season. I I think there's players, you know this, if you can avoid a surgery, we all would. But, you know, your body is your tools. And, you know, there's a reason why, Dan, tell folks, there's a reason why you have exit interviews at the end of the year. So you got something we need, Dan? That right knee. That's right. We, we got to clean it now. That's why you have exit interviews and exit physicals. Get it done now. So, you know, you certainly want to be ready to go by training camp. Very disappointing. Uh, obviously, their quarterback situation is a big change. He is their go-to guy. You could make a case. He's as good a receiver as you're going to find. And he's not going to be there for six weeks, eight weeks. I don't know. That's a, that's a tremendous blow to them, and you wonder if it was just a selfish or a concerted effort to say, you know what, I, you just you just wonder, you wonder a little bit about where that mindset is. I thought the relationship was good with he and Sean, but uh, it's certainly, certainly taken a downturn now. You know what, Chris, I would throw this into the dynamic because you mentioned the word diva. You tell me if you could subscribe to this a little bit. If you're Mickey Loomis and you're in that organization, a general manager now, how about this? Well, guess what? These guys have got to figure out who their quarterback is. I'm not going to go out there, and I'm not going to get myself banged up while they're trying to work either Tyson Hill or they're trying to figure out if Jameis Winston's the guy. Why do I put myself through that when I want to do it on my own dime and my own time here I'm getting myself back? I'm not going to go out there and have some quarterback lay me out and have me get injured even more. There's no Drew Brees in that building any longer. Could that be part of the dynamic too? 
could be. I mean, it's all part of the. I mean, it's one of two things. Maybe he got some medical advice that he trusted that, look, you're not going to need surgery. This is how you treat it. You're going to be fine. Oops, we're sitting here and it's July and, it, and it's not better, Doc. Okay, well, then that's a bleep up. But I, you know, I don't know the comments yesterday. Did the Saints know about it? So did you communicate that with them back in March and April? Look, and then. Were the team doctors on board? You know what? We agree. Let's let this heal. Because you've been through that. Sometimes, you know what? There's some risk involved with surgeries. It could get worse. Could be degenerative conditions. Maybe maybe healing is the way to go. But I don't get the feeling that the Saints were informed of everything and it just, they didn't realize it was as bad. Which, that I don't know either. I mean, your medical team's got to be on board with that. And Maybe they did. Maybe they couldn't do it. They couldn't talk them out of it. But, you know, something there just doesn't smell right. Let's get to Green Bay now. You know, I, I watched that press conference yesterday, and I'll tell you what, you can break down all the things that Aaron said. You can break down the thing that the general manager addressed today, bringing in Cobb for Aaron, saying we brought him in for him. Did you, didn't you? I walked away from it, Chris. I don't know if you did. But there's some reconciliation that could be done here if this thing ends up going in the right direction and there's some give where they bring Rodgers into some of the conversations. I just took it that Aaron wants to be part of the direction of the team, not decision-making, but wants to be part of the direction because, look, Brady has made it very clear and with his actions. If you do something like that, you may be able to help your organization be an asset, be a recruiter, He's right about Green Bay. Reggie White, I, I, hey Chris, you know this as well as I do. Reggie White going to Green Bay stunned everybody because nobody goes to Green Bay as a free agent. Nobody does that. Tell me what your whole sense was it when you saw that interview and how everything will play out. Well, you know, you're not in a building, not in a building, so you don't know what was said right. or done. Here's the thing. Here's my philosophy on it. I, I think communication's always the key. And I think showing respect's always the key. And it's got to go both ways. And, and it, apparently, at least Aaron Rodgers didn't feel respected. So he, here's my thoughts on it. When you're looking at players as a, as a front office guy, scouting guy, you, I, having input from players, it could be a defensive lineman, it could be you, and we're looking at a guard. And, you know, I, I mean, my point is, as a scout, we're looking at scout as coaches. We look at it differently, and we have to look at bigger picture. A guy who might be the best player today, by November, by next year, might might be the best move. So sometimes a coach gets married onto a player because he's easy to coach. Dan Dan knows our system, and I like him, and I want him. And you know, maybe there's a younger Dan Cilio that that might be a better fit. You've got to you've got to weigh all of that in. And yeah, and and you know what, you know it's 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 cheaper and it's long range. What's the best fit? A player can tend to fall in love with a receiver a little bit more because he has a. Re That's important, but maybe a younger guy, he doesn't have that relationship or confidence in yet, but he may be the better player. I think you should listen. I think you should get input from players. I, I don't. I wonder sometimes though if if. If, if he was looking for input, are you really – because sometimes when, when you, you get asked for people's opinion, 
They get ticked off if you don't take it. Well, I mean, you know, so it's like, I mean, is he mad because he wasn't listened to? Is he, or is he mad because they didn't do what he wanted them to do? I, I think some, that I don't know. But, yeah, I listen to him, and, and I, I, if I'm looking at, I'm going to keep six receivers. And I know who five of them are, but I got three of them, and they're really close. Who's going to be the sixth guy? I, I certainly would, you know, I'm going receiver coach, the quarterback, I, and I go independently because, you know, when I when I had them all in the room, it was like, you know, it's like, you know, all the dolphins coming on. One of them comes up, they all come. Yeah, I, coach, I'm, I'm, yeah, I agree with coach. I like to go individually and see, well, what, and then put it all together. And if, if what the quarterback thinks on that kind of meshes what our other evaluations are, it might make a difference in keeping that guy. But I don't just say, well, he wants him, I'll bring I think that's where sometimes there's a little bit too much into that. I just think that there was just poor communication, maybe lack of respect. I don't think, you know, I would ever want to be that rude to say, look, I'm the GM, I'm the scout, I don't care what you think, I'm going to – that's arrogant. That's no place for that. But, you know, did that happen? I don't know. I just think you need to have an open line of communication. I would always ask guys, you know, if if you were – you know, your first year out of Miami and, and you know, the, the great group of guys coming after, hey, tell me about Joe. What's he like in the locker room? You, get, you know, what type of kid is he? You know, it, it, we may never get a chance to draft him, but I want to get some intel from you because I'm getting into the area scout, the region. So I'm always looking for information. Knowing how to use it's important. I don't think they did that well enough for Aaron. Um, but also get a little bit of a feeling that Aaron's a strange bird, <laughs> that I don't know that you can ever quite appease him. Some of the stuff was like, Dan, I don't know. I'm not saying it's not true, but do you need to say uh, Green Bay's not exactly a vacation site and people want to come to play with me? That may be 100% true, but do you, boy, that makes him look like an ass, doesn't it? I mean, and it makes him look really arrogant. You know, it's like, all right, so maybe, so when I hear that, I'm thinking, so is this guy so arrogant that he would come up in the general manager's office and say, yeah, here's what I think. We're going to, we ought to, you know what I'm saying? So that those are the things I, I'm a little bit concerned about, but he should, he should be communicated with like any other player. And if you're letting a veteran player go and you don't properly communicate and thank them and do that, you're not doing the right thing and you have a bad, you get a bad reputation as an organization. Did that happen? Well, Packers say that's not true. We haven't done that. Aaron says he has. So some, here's what I do know. Those two sides don't get along. They don't like one another. And... I don't think the powers that be are going to be in place next year. Aaron either's gone or probably Gutekunst is gone. But here's the thing. What about Mark Murphy? Yeah. He's, he's, the, he's the really key guy here, and he's the president. So I think if, if they have great success and they go to the Super Bowl, which I don't think they are, but let's just say they pull that off, Aaron's got a lot of power, and, and maybe those other people are gone. Uh, and Aaron can kind of say, well, I'm not, I'm not staying unless. But if they go to the playoffs and lose in the first round of the playoffs, I don't know that there's going to be that much leverage, and Aaron will probably take his ball and go somewhere else and try to see if he can get a Tom Brady type deal. Boy, that's interesting that you say it's either maybe front office or Aaron that's on the line this year going forward. All right, 
One of the great things about you two, uh, Chris, is I can ask you about evaluating players that are in the NFL right now. I do want to get some college questions and all this uh, realignment stuff here, but give me your sense of Zach Ertz. You know, as, as the season ended last year, it just seemed that there was going to be a priority to make sure that Zach Ertz was either going to be released, he was going to be moved. The $12 million cap hit is a lot of money for the Eagles. Give me your assessment on the player because he's there in camp, and now you're hearing Howie Roseman say he may be even on the opening day roster going into 2021 here. Give me your sense of where he is as a tight end in the NFL when it comes to an asset player. Still think he's a good player. You know, the, the pro personnel actually, I mean, the blue grades are the elite players. The red ones are guys that win for you. Purples are solid starters. He's still graded out when healthy, a solid purple. So he's he is a valuable player in my mind. You know, this is a team that's kind of in a, they need help. They got a quarterback that's not a, an overly accurate passer at this point. I think they need a guy like that. Um, whereas his head, I think all the all the intangibles are there. I think he's got value. Is he a difference? Is he an elite player? He hasn't been, um, but I think he's got a chance to be a really productive player for him. And to me, getting something done, um, maybe, you know, in terms of getting him in, in the, on the right path, I, I think there's no reason why he shouldn't be on that roster this year, make that team. I still think he's got good football left in him. Uh, I just think maybe, you know, what he's been looking for contract-wise is doesn't fit with what he is at this point. I think he's got to have a prove-it year. Would you make a move for Deshaun Watson if you were a general manager in the NFL right now? Uh, well, no, not now, because you can't you can't make a move because there's no move to be made because you you're not giving up anything when you don't know the legal part of it. You just can't. I mean, I, I can't I can't give. They're not going to trade him for anything less than what he's, his value is as a player. Forget the off-the-field stuff. Well, I, the, the team's not going to make a trade for him unless they know what his situation is. Is he going to be suspended for a year? Is it really worse than we thought? Nobody knows that part. That's going to delay everything. We know what he's worth as a player. He can make a huge difference. He can take a, a Miami Dolphins and make them a, 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 a contender in the division and then but you can't make a move like that now. I mean, wh what are you getting? You may end up making a move, and he's a guy that's. I mean, if this goes really bad, Dan, you, you may have given up a lot, and and not even get him on your team. You know, it may it may turn out that way. And then if if you're the Texans, you're not going to trade him on the cheap. You're going to say, whoa, 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 this guy is a talent, and we're going to wait and see how this plays out. And he may not want to play with us, but you know what? He's got to show up so he doesn't get fined. And when we get the legal stuff behind us, yeah, a lot of people are interested in the football player. And, yes, he will get traded. Yes, it will be worth for a lot, but not until we know the legal situation. You just can't do it. It's a weird situation because of that couple questions in the college game. This realignment now with Oklahoma and Texas. I said this a couple days ago, Chris. Hey, that's a conference that plays zero defense, and now those two programs who struggle on playing defense are now going into the elite defensive conference in college football, Oklahoma-Texas going into the Southeastern Conference. I, I think they're middle-of-the-road programs in that particular conference. Maybe OU is a little bit up there more. I don't know if they're Bama. I don't know if they're 
like um, like like a, a really good LSU, but give me your sense of where you think this whole thing's going with realignment in college football. Oklahoma is definitely better than Texas, higher up than Texas, but both are going to have to make some adjustment. Necessity is the motherhood of invention, right? You're in the Big 12. you got to score, score, and score some more. And you're right, the defenses are lax. Now, I do think Oklahoma has a little bit better defensive personnel now, but the head coach, who's also the, the great offensive mind, has to throttle it down some. He has to learn how to run the football in the second half and play a four-minute offense so he doesn't have to try to win shootouts. I think over the long haul, though, what this is going to allow them to do, Dan, is you're right. They're going to have to learn and can recruit because they've got resources to recruit better defensive players and play with a better bow in their neck defensively. But it's going to be more rungs up the ladder they've got to chase, right? Because you mentioned the teams, and they got a lot of them. But I think overall their football teams are going to be better, but they're standing in the SEC. I mean, it's easy to go up to the top of the Big 12, a lot, lot more difficult in the SEC. But Oklahoma's gotten to the playoffs a few times. They haven't fared well. Their defense hasn't been good enough. Their style hasn't been good enough. I think over time they will learn and adjust to that. But let's just call it what it is. This is not a move to say where we're going to go play football. This is all about money. And we're talking about the Big 12, their TV. Last summer, the SEC struck the new deal with Disney and ESPN in a COVID year. And, and Big 12 went to the same entity and said, look, we've got a couple of years left on ideal. We'd like to get a new TV deal. And they said, you know, we're good for now. We're going to wait. They knew that they, they're in a market, they're in a conference where they couldn't sell it as much. The SEC, you know what I'm hearing? That each SEC team is going to end up getting, when they're all said and done, per year, a check, a hard, cold cash check. Per school, per year, just for a TV deal, 75 to 80 million per school. Okay, now that's, think about that. Now, Texas is making 15 million a year in the Longhorn Network, which is owned by ESPN, where ESPN says, well, look, you know, we can keep you doing that to 32, and ESPN's losing money hand over fist on the Longhorn Network. Why don't we roll you over into the SEC? You're going to make. A lot more money, and we're not going to lose the money. That's that's why it's a win-win. It's all about finances. It's always all about finances. And those two brands matter. If Texas loses every year and fires a coach every three years, they're still a big brand. And you know why they're a big brand? Because everybody's going to come on and talk and make fun of them. Nobody sits there, with all due respect, and talk about how bad Texas Tech is. Or Kansas State is. When they're good, Iowa State's really good. When they're not good, people say, oh, Iowa State, they're not supposed to be good. Texas, you know you're a big brand when people talk just as much about you when you're bad because they like to make fun of you. If you didn't matter, they wouldn't talk about you. They're huge brands, and it's going to make this conference a gigantic one, and I think it's going to further separate without any real legs with the NCAA anymore. It's going to be interesting to see. With the name, image, and likeness, with all these mega conferences, what's going to happen next? I think we're going to see different leadership and a true breakaway of the power schools from the rest. Finally here, you're dead on. I think it's the premier league of college football and what we're seeing with the SEC, like the premier league in soccer. So then you're buying into 
that you think that maybe potentially because of the money and how they're doing the contract that ESPN may be a little bit involved with the dismantling of the Big 12 because, and Chris, not meaning to, but if you take Oklahoma and Texas away from the Big 12. There I'm is sorry, no Big 12. There is There's no nothing. Big 12. So, I mean, systematically, TV is dismantling that conference. Oh, yeah. TV runs it. I mean, follow the money. Where is the biggest amount of money? It's the TV networks. ESPN's driving this. This is a big part of it. Don't think that, uh, and, and, you know, legally, Texas and Oklahoma had to reach out to the SEC because you're technically not supposed to go the other way. So there'll never be any proof that it went otherwise. But to think that ESPN wasn't involved in, you know, the way this stuff works is, hey, look, Mr. ESPN, if we can get Texas and Oklahoma, what will it do to our right? Be foolish to think those conversations hasn't been had. For over a year, I've been told, and for six months, they've been negotiating. Now, what's come out is, did ESPN, and we don't know this, they're denying it, did they go to the AAC and say, raid the remainder of the Big 12, because if the Big 12 disbands, Oklahoma and Texas don't have to pay the exit fee. That's what we don't know. But in terms of, you know, encouraging this move, absolutely. ESPN is right in the middle of it, right in the heart of it. They're TV partners. They own the SEC network. They own the ACC network. And I mentioned they own the Longhorn network, which is the only thing they've got their hands on that's losing money like crazy. Everything else makes money, right? That one doesn't. It didn't work. That was put together because... Texas was flirting with the Pac-12, and so the Big 12 said, you can have your own network, and then we'll give you more of our Big... The Big 12 needed... Texas was a bully, but you can't be a bully if you are not allowed... If you don't allow them to be a bully. They own the Big 12 politically and financially. They now realize that they're struggling, and A&M is really soaring... And that's why they say, you know what, we want some of that. That big money, that prestige, we want to go there. We'll get our ass kicked in football. <laughs> Who cares? Get another football coach. We'll try it again and again and again. We got so much money to buy out those suckers. We'll do it till we get it right. Absolutely. Chris, please tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. And for college and pro football information, as we go into the regular season here, as we go into the exhibition season as well, tell people how they can get in touch with you. LandryFootball.com is the quickest way to get everything. You get uh, the, our video shows uh, that you can catch on Twitch and, and YouTube and Facebook. And in our podcast, the Landry Football Podcast channel, you can catch all of our podcasts. We've got conference podcasts. We've got national college shows, uh, NFL show. We've got it all there. And the LandryFootball.com mantra has all the film room breakdowns, college and pro, getting all of our NFL breakdowns, team by team, roster analysis. we got all the college ones done. So it's like having your own scouting department for less than $10 a month. In fact, it's even cheaper than that if you get it for a year. So if you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. That's what we like to say. Absolutely. Chris, love it. Love having you on the program, man. And thank you so much for finding time for us. I appreciate it, my friend. My pleasure. Do it again soon. Thank you so much. Got it. That is our friend Chris Landry from Landry Football. Absolutely, man. I mean, look, this is really interesting now with ESPN. Did ESPN go to Texas and Oklahoma and say, hey, look, okay, 
and remember something about ESPN. They don't have any contractual television rights to the Big 12. That's Fox. And Fox is a big player with the Big 10 and the Pac-12. And because of COVID, you're going to pull in your resources, what conferences are going to generate the most interest and what conferences are going to generate the most revenue for my television network. That's going to be Big 10, and it's going to be the Pac-12. Well, Fox probably thinks this is the best thing that could ever happen because then they could cherry pick some of the markets that are in the Big 12. You can go into the Dallas-Fort Worth area and get TCU and bring them into the Pac-12. You could bring in Iowa State. Maybe Iowa State and the Big Ten will negotiate because you have a built-in rival with Iowa. Instead of having the Iowa-Nebraska rivalry, what you do then is you have the Iowa-Iowa State that sells. I think television systematically this offseason, and because of what happened with the pandemic, I think they came to their senses that there's too many conferences. And the linchpins were Oklahoma and Texas. You know what's crazy? Where's the, where's the NCAA in this? You know, where's the NCAA? Where are they to monitor? Where are they to legislate? Where are they to coordinate? Do you know what they're doing? They're worried about Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. That ruling that came down, that's their focus, is Reggie Bush's Heisman and whether his records at USC matter or not. The integrity of college football, think about what just happened in the last two weeks. Oklahoma and Texas and ESPN dismantled the Big 12 right in front of the NCAA's face with no damage, no comments from them. Has the NCAA even commented on anything when it came to the survival of the Big 12? The Big 12 right now is on a respirator, and they're asking for help. There's no one to help. You think the Big 12 is going to look at the NCAA and ask them for NCAA is going to go like this. Well, if we're going to be around, we've got to be in the pocket of the SEC. You're going to be in cahoots with them because they're the power brokers now. They're the power brokers. Think of what's, think of that for a minute. You're more concerned with Reggie Bush's Heisman. And that was your big decision and your big declaration while you're watching a conference get smashed over the face and lose two of their biggest programs and two programs that were keeping that conference alive. Personally, I don't care. But the hypocrisy in it is the stuff that you look at. And remember, we, we, we had Bill Hancock. And I, look, I love Bill Hancock, the executive director of the college football playoff. Remember when he said that if players start to make money, this is when everything goes to hell in a handbasket. How about when you're watching Oklahoma and Texas rip apart a conference and no one's there for help 
with the conference. The conference has come out publicly today and yesterday and said they believe ESPN went behind the conference's back and put it in the ear of Texas and Oklahoma to leave the conference and go to the SEC. Because why? As you just heard Chris Landry say, they have the television rights because they bought them from CBS. Man, that's ugly business. That is ugly business. I want to talk a little bit about Dak. He's injured. A little more on Carson Wentz, too. There was some news yesterday with Carson Wentz. This ESPN story is fascinating. Okay, we'll do that next hour, too. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.